see, guys. Uh, in your weekly update uh, is one of these uh, beautiful exchange cards, and I want to ask you uh, to uh, take these and uh, use them to invite your friends to join us beginning on Easter. Uh, beautiful Exchange is a series that will kick off on Easter Sunday, and I'm really excited about uh, the messages in this series, and I uh, want to encourage you to invite your friends. Your friends and neighbors will be more open to an invitation at that time of the year than just about any other. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. If you uh, want more of these, stop out at the connection point. We've got tons of them. They'll be happy to give you a whole handful, and you can take them and use them to invite your friends and neighbors to come uh, join us on Easter uh, Sunday and the weeks to follow. Did you know? Did you know that uh, the av uh, recent study was done and showed that uh, the average man drives 276 miles lost every year? <laughs> same study shows that they waste $3,000 being lost every year. Now, personally, I doubt the validity of that study. Because, have you ever met a man that would admit they were lost? And the $3,000 is not wasted. It's education. We are learning how not to go the next time. I saw a video this week, and this is another shred of evidence about why men don't ask for directions. Check this out. Taming your tongue? Struggling to say no to temptation? 
Is it difficult for you to choose joy in the midst of life struggles? Struggling to uh, grow patience in the dirt of life? James says, here's some help. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Here's some, here's some help. You don't have to keep driving 276 miles in the wrong direction. Stop, he says, and ask God for help. James says, pray, 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 pray. There is help if we'll ask for it. You know one of the great hindrances in our lives to living stronger is our self-sufficiency. Yeah, that whole thing about us that says, yeah, I don't need any help. I can take care of myself. I can manage the details all by myself. Our self-sufficiency keeps us from asking God for his help. And you know who suffers as a result of that? I do. And you do. Because we end up living powerless lives instead of power-filled lives. And I think that's why James wraps up this whole letter with saying, here's some truths about prayer to help you learn how to ask for help in your life. So, so here's the first one I have. Prayer is for the normal person. Prayer is for the normal person. Do you ever think about prayer and you have thoughts like this? Well, you know, prayer, that's only for the really spiritual people. Or that, that prayer stuff, that only works for people who know the Bible a whole lot better than I do. Or, or, or prayer, you know, that's just for those people who get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and they, they pray for three hours. I mean, if you've ever had those kinds of thoughts about prayer, then James says something especially for you in verse 17. It's a simple thing that you can almost over, look over. But he says, Elijah was a man just like us. He's just a normal guy. Put his pants on one leg at a time. He, he got frustrated with his co-workers. Struggled with patience at times. He studied his life. He even got depressed at one time. I mean, he's just a normal guy. He's just like us. Yet he prayed. And you know what? You can pray too. There's no special training required. You don't have to know the magic words or learn the, the secret handshake. You can pray. All of us. It's just a matter of communicating with God, telling him what's on your heart. God wants you to pray. He wants you to ask for his help. Here's another truth that I noticed, and it's prayer is for all situations. For all situations. James says, anybody in trouble? Pray. James says, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> he says, if you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. Whatever situation you find yourself in in life, pray. You know what, the Paul, who's another leader in the early church, who wrote some other letters that are in our New Testament, he said this, very similar thought. Uh, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. I borrowed a tool from my son this morning. I think these are the coolest thing. I mean, this, this tool, is that one of these? I mean, multi-purpose. These are like MacGyver, right? And you know, if you have one of these, and you find yourself in a situation, there's, there are very few situations that if you had one of these, you couldn't find some little contraption on here that might help you out of a situation. I mean, this is all purpose. I think that's how prayer works. 
It is all purpose. There is not a situation that you find yourself in in life that prayer doesn't fit. And we need to, we need to pull prayer out of the toolbox and use it a little more often. Here, here's another truth that I notice in all of this. Prayer is a group activity. It's a group activity. It can be an individual activity. And it should be an individual activity, but he, he also paints it in the context of it's something that happens in groups. But let's begin to verse 14. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And listen to verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer is a group activity. He says, if you're, if you're struggling, if you're sick, or if you've got blessings that you want to celebrate, you want to go to a friend or to a spiritual leader in the church or to somebody in your life group and let them pray over you and for you and with you. It, that's a healthy thing for us. Can I, can I just share something that uh, is a burden? I don't know what the right word is. Maybe a burden, um, a frustration. Aggravation, I'm not sure. You know, every every week, every week at Crowns Point, we say to you at the hey, at the end of our time together this morning, our our shepherds, or they'd be called elders in a lot of other churches. We've chosen the term shepherd, they're our spiritual leaders. They're gonna be down here in the front. They'd love to pray for you. And uh, you know what? Week goes week after week goes by, and hardly anybody comes and asks them to, to pray over them. And that really that bothers me. I mean, I think about that, especially as I was studying this week. I thought, you know what? People ought to be lined up asking those spiritual leaders to pray over them and for them. But it doesn't happen. And so I thought, well, what are the issues? Why doesn't that happen? You know, one reason I thought is maybe it's our pride. It's our pride because we don't, we don't want to go down there and have them pray for us. People might think, well, man, what kind of problem they have going on in their life? Maybe it's our self-sufficiency. You know, I, I'm fine. I, I'm good. I can handle it myself. I don't need anybody else to be involved in my life. I thought, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I haven't clearly taught that we really believe what James teaches here. That when he says that when we're sick, and I think he means spiritually or physically, when we're sick, that we ought to go to the spiritual leaders, we ought to let them anoint us with oil and pray over us. So I, I want to be clear. We absolutely, 100%, believe that to be true and believe that we ought to practice it. We ought to do it in our lives. And I wonder sometimes if we're not more worried about, you know, getting out of here and getting on to the next thing than we are doing what the Bible says. And uh, maybe it's time we get over our self-sufficiency or our pride and we put into to practice. I mean, honestly, some of you need to get your butts down here and let them pray for you. <laughs> Here's another interesting thing to me. Some of you are going to be more worried about what I just said right now. <laughs> Here's another thing that I notice in there. Uh, James says in the midst of this, the importance of praying in a group or praying for each other, he, he also says that we ought to confess our sins to each other and pray for healing for our sins. And again, I, that's a struggle for us, isn't it? And uh, maybe you think, well, what does that look like? What, what am I supposed to do? Does that mean i got to like stand up in front of everybody and confess my sins? I mean, talk about an open mic night. You know, we'd all gather to hear each other, right? 
Does that mean I have to get with the pastor all alone somewhere and I, I tell him everything that I've done wrong for the whole week? No, I don't think it's either one of those. I think what James is inviting us, encouraging us, telling us to do is that when we are struggling with sin in our life, we ought to go to a spiritual leader or to a friend who is a Christ follower or to someone in our life group and say to them, I am struggling with this. Can we pray together and ask for God to help me get rid of this sin in my life? But again, our pride and our self-sufficiency keeps us from living out what the Bible teaches us. And somehow we need to move beyond that so that God's power can be unleashed in our lives. And that, that's the next truth that I notice here, is that prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives. You know what? Again, Elijah, as we read about him, he, he's just a man like us. And yet, when he prays, notice what happens in verse 17. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced you also notice in verse, uh, the end of verse uh, 16, it says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. He prayed, Elijah prayed, and God's power was unleashed. And you know what? That's at our disposal, too. When we pray, God's power can be unleashed in our lives. I uh, traveled to uh, Bulgaria. I've been there several times, and that was the first time I think I went. Somebody said, you ought to get a you know, a power converter so that you can, you know, charge your iPod and those kinds of things up over there with their different, how, how that all works, um, whatever it is. So I went out and bought this, you know, I thought, okay, I'm all prepared. So I go over to Bulgaria and uh, flowing over there. So I get my iPod out, I'm going to recharge it. And I, I go to plug this in the wall and it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the, the outlet. I'm thinking like, what is the deal? What, did I buy the wrong thing? Well, nobody had told me that not only do I need to buy the converter, I also needed to buy the, the adapter that goes for that particular country and the way that their outlets are configured. So here I was with the, the converter, and the power's right there in the wall, but I had no way to plug into it because I was missing this simple adapter that made it possible for me to plug into the power. Prayer is the adapter in our lives. God's power is available to us. God wants to unleash his power in our lives. And we desperately need it in our lives. But sometimes we are ignoring the, the small adapter called prayer that allows us to plug into that power and it to be unleashed in our lives. In Acts chapter 12, we read the story about Peter. Peter was a leader of the early church and he was arrested and thrown in prison. And the early church, Acts 12, tells us a whole bunch of them went to one particular house and they just began to pray. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. You see, in their minds, the early church, these early followers, they saw God as big and majestic. And they didn't know how to fix the problem themselves, but they were confident that God did, and so they prayed. And as they prayed, and scholars tell us historically that they think there were a whole bunch of them that came together and that they prayed day and night for as long as a week. Finally, God answered their prayer and he unleashed his power and Peter miraculously was set free from prison. That, that same kind of power can be unleashed in our lives if we'll call on God to do it. 
you know, our, our God is a God of muchness. Don't you love the word much? I mean, when you when you think about some things, don't you just think, boy, there's so much of that. I was in my office this week thinking of some things that I, that I think of in those terms. And uh, on this particular, you know, weekend, since Thursday, you know, to my delight, there's been a muchness of basketball. <laughs> my wife would tell you last night she got to the point where there was two muchness of basketball. <laughs> Uh, you guys know my uh, love for Menchie's, and so I was thinking about Menchie's and thinking, man, when I go there and I get that yogurt, and then there's that so muchness of toppings, you know, all those toppings. Okay. Man, what would life be like without much? God is a God of muchness. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, and my God will liberally supply or fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You catch that? That God will liberally supply. Do you remember when you were a kid growing up and going to a bubblegum machine? I mean, I can remember, you know, when I was a kid, it was like at eye level to the store. You know, and it was like there's this muchness of gumballs. So many of them in there that I wanted so badly most of the time. And once in a great while, my dad would, this tells you how old I am, my dad would pull out a penny, you know, and you could still get them in for a penny, and he'd say, here. You know, and you put that penny in the machine, and you turn that knob, and you hold your hand, and out came some of the muchness of those gumballs. It tasted so good for about two seconds. <laughs> you know what? God says, here's prayer. And we can take prayer, and that prayer unleashes the muchness of God right into our lives. Prayer triggers the power of God to be available to us. The Bible goes on to describe it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Pray. And the muchness and the power of God are unleashed into our lives interesting quote that I read uh, this week. It's Walter Knight one time wrote, the ancient church had a minimum of organization, but it had a maximum of power. The average church today has a maximum of organization, but tragically lacks in power. Because we haven't tapped into the power that comes to us through prayer like we should. Now, around here, we've, we've seen recently, haven't we, God unleash some of his power and provide muchness. Just months ago when we were still meeting at Mariner and wondering what's next because it was so clear that we were going to have to leave the school because of expenses. We wondered, what, what, what's God going to do? And so many of us prayed and we wondered and we prayed. And then God incredibly, really, you know, provided this piece of 10 acres and a little building for us to call home. That was the muchness of God providing and then we moved into the all-in campaign, and we, you know, we, and honestly, I thought, man, how, how are we going to be able to come up with the finances to make this happen in this economic environment and the people that are part of our church? How's God going to do it? But we prayed, and we trusted, and we sacrificed, and together, God did an incredible thing. Over $450,000 committed. You know what? Over, well over 100000 of that's already been given. That, that's the muchness of God. I, let me tell you a personal story. And uh, 
I, I'm confident that so many of you have these kinds of personal stories that you could tell. In fact, I'd love to hear them. Email them to me or come and tell me that somebody stopped me after our first worship experience and tell me one of their stories that's just as cool, maybe better than ours. But uh, when Peg and I made our um, all-in commitment, um, you know, we kind of figured out uh, what we were going to give up front, and then we kind of looked at what can we commit to over the two-year time frame, and um, we figured out some things that we would sacrifice, and that, you know, that added up to a certain amount, but just, I felt so clear from God that I want you to give a lot more than that each of these next two years. And honestly, for us, uh, Peg asked me several times, where's that money going to come from? I don't know. I don't know where it's going to come from. But we prayed and we trusted and we committed. And just a week and a half, two weeks ago, you know what, we, we got a check in the mail, totally unexpected, that totally covers the amount for this first year. That I don't know where it's going to come from amount, more than covers it. But that's the muchness of God when we trust and when we pray and his power is on us. Listen, life is challenged. And the stuff that James has written to us that we've been studying for these several weeks, it is very challenging stuff. I mean, who doesn't need some help with all of that? Well, the help's available to us. It's available to us through the power of prayer. And just normal people like us, in any situation in life, can tap into that power. So, so don't keep unnecessarily going 276 miles without asking for help. Stop and pray and trust God to give you the help. You know what, Pastor, I want us to live stronger. And if we'll take these principles that James teaches and we'll put them into practice, we will live stronger. Because our lives will more and more and more look like Jesus. And that's what living stronger is all about. It's about following in the image of Jesus in our lives. Now, there are some in this room probably today who have never taken that step of faith to make Jesus their Savior. You haven't yet acknowledged the fact that, you know what, I, my life is, I've got sin in it, I've messed up in the past, I need forgiveness for that sin, and I, I want to know that someday I get to spend eternity in heaven with God. Well, I want to tell you this morning, God wants to offer you that. He wants to offer you the gift of having your sins forgiven and washed away. He wants to put the Holy Spirit to live in your life and to guide you. And he wants to give you the hope that you can spend eternity in heaven with God. And for you, all, all that it requires is accepting his gift, acknowledging that you need a Savior, admitting that you've done some wrong, and inviting Jesus to become the leader of your life. And the Bible teaches that uh, people who make that step need to publicly declare their faith in Jesus Christ by being baptized or immersed in water. So today, both of those things can happen. When we wrap up here in just a moment, I'm going to be down here in the front, and if you want to take that step of faith to make Jesus your Savior, come and talk to me. And we've made provision today to, to celebrate baptism. So if you want to join us after our third worship experience, about 1210, and be down here in the front of the auditorium, we're going to go to a pool that's nearby, and we're going to celebrate baptism together. So the opportunity is yours today to make that very important step to cross the line of faith and follow Jesus. Let's pray together.